If you got your Bibles with you, let's look over at 2 Corinthians 9. We're going to start there, 2 Corinthians 9. Now, we're going to continue our series uh, this morning about dollars and cents. We've been talking about money on Sunday morning. Uh, we're doing a series on money, so we're going to continue. Uh, this will be part three of the series about dollars and cents. And uh, today we're going to talk about giving specifically, giving. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to turn over to 2 Corinthians uh, 9, and we're going to start reading here in a, a second. So 2 Corinthians 9, and we're going to... Read here in verse 6 through 8. It says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Uh, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Come on, can I get amen in the house of God? Verse 8, And God is able. Now, this is... Black Baptist Church preaching right here. You ready? Now, this verse right here, God is able. All right, white people, get with it here. All right, I said God is able. Mm -hmm. Okay. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. An abundance for every good work. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is The Power of Grace Giving. The Power of Grace Giving. Now, i got a lot to say and a short time to say it. So everybody, uh, hang on for the ride. You ready? You're going to respond. You're going to engage. You're going to smile at me like you're happy to be here. And um, we're going to say a lot of things today, but a lot of good things today. So The Power of Grace Giving. That's what we want to talk about this morning and talk about giving. So... A couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, your heart and your attitude towards money. We talked about, does God have your heart or does money have your heart? Because we can't really talk about money unless we get that straight. So that's kind of the foundation of this series was to get our heart right towards money. And the last week, we talked about why God wants to provide for us and why God wants us to have more than enough. God wants you to have more than enough. We talked about that last week. And we talked from the scriptures why God wants you to have more than enough. And so this week we want to talk about giving. Now, we mentioned this uh, the past couple weeks, but let me say this again. People get super nervous in church when you talk about money. Makes them uncomfortable. It shouldn't, but it makes them uncomfortable because um, they're dealing with heart issues there. Because when you start talking about the issues that people don't want to get rid of, where you at? this morning. When you start getting close to the thing that has your heart, you get uncomfortable in church. Now, some of you, it might not be money, so you're not uncomfortable, but you know, there's certain sermon series that press your buttons more than others. Kind of like the Pharisee series. You know, everybody was like, ah, ooh, ah, ah, just all over. You're like, stop, give it up. Miss Donna was like, could you start a new series? She said that to me many times. Please start a new series, Pastor Jordan. I mean, I love it, but start a new series because we're tired of hearing about Pharisees. So, you know, when you when you start talking about stuff that presses your buttons, you don't want to hear it, do you? We all don't want to hear it, but that's the thing we need to hear about is the areas in our life that maybe money has our heart more than we realize. So people get uncomfortable about money, but I'm just going to use some common sense here. 
if we want to know what anybody thinks about money, it should be God. I mean, he knows everything about everything. So that would make sense to know what God has to say about money instead of just what we think about money because we don't know everything. And even your, uh, your finance professor and your accounting professor, they don't know everything about money. Your banker doesn't know everything about money. Your family definitely doesn't know everything about money. But God does, so we should go to God's word and hear what he has to say. Now, I realized when I started a money series or any kind of series about finances, resources, especially if you say prosperity, they get real uncomfortable. Because a lot of times, the first thing that comes to their mind is... Well, he's just going to preach a message about giving. Now, I didn't preach a message about giving the past two weeks, did I? No, I didn't. But I'm going to preach one this week. And if I didn't preach one about giving, I would be dishonest to what the Bible says. And really, it would do more harm to you than you realize. So preaching about giving in church is not for selfish reasons. It's for the right reasons, because God wants to get something over to you that will help you, that will bless your life. He's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. That's the same way I'm thinking about this. I'm not preaching giving for selfish reasons. I'm preaching giving because I'm trying to get something to you, not take something away from you. Are you here this morning? So God has a lot to say about money, and he has a whole lot to say about giving. So we're going to talk about a lot of things today pertaining to giving. Now, I want to talk about giving today, and and please don't put this giving message in the box of just tithes, tithes and offerings. Now, tithes and offerings are a foundation of, of what we give. It's in the Bible. It goes from Genesis to Revelation. Tithes and offerings are in there if you're looking for it. But today we're going to talk about grace giving, which is really kind of the bigger picture of why we give and how we give. And should we give? And we're going to talk about grace giving today because that's really the heart of God more than anything. He doesn't just want you to give something. He wants you to do it for the right reasons, with the right attitude attached to it. And do it because you want to do it, not because you have to do it. And so we're going to talk about grace giving this morning. Now, um, a lot of times when you start down this trail, people say, "Um, you're just trying to get my money. Or they'll say, God just wants my money. No, he doesn't. Actually, God, he owns everything. The whole planet, uh, the whole universe. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. That's real simple. He he tells us to give for a lot of reasons. We're going to get into that today. But he tells us to give because this planet runs on money. And, And to get his kingdom and the gospel... And the church, and to do ministry, costs money. So that's why he tells us to give. Because we realize God is not using our money up in heaven to pay his bills. He doesn't have any bills up there. God owns it all. He owns everything. Not just the planet, the universe. And all that's within it. Every tree, every plant, every bug, all of us. He owns it all. All the gold, all the silver, All the cattle, all the steaks, all the prime rib, all the barbecue, he owns it all. Yes, it's getting close to lunchtime. But you're going to stay with me till this is over, right? He owns it all. So he doesn't need our money. But here's the bigger picture. God doesn't want your money. He wants you. Now, you ready for part two of that? 
But if he has you, he has your money. Now, where are you at this morning? Well, I like the first part. Don't tell me the second part. No, God wants you. He don't want your money. But if he has you, he has your money. That's the way it works. Because if he has you, he has everything you have. Now, money's one part of it. That means he has your time. That means he has your money. That means he has your heart. That means he has your energy. That means he has your gifting. He has everything. So God's heart is he wants us. That's what he wants. But if he has us, he has our money too. He has our checkbook and our wallet. Now, one of the most famous famous scriptures on money is where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's the heart of God. He doesn't just want your money, he wants you, but he says money reveals who has our heart. Money reveals what we love. Money reveals if God really has us. When God has our checkbook, he really has us. When God has our wallet, he really has us. Now, I know a lot of people aren't saying amen right now because that's the truth. And we all get uncomfortable with that truth. But in reality, if he really has you, he has your money also. Now, I didn't say all your money had to go to church. I'm saying all your money that you have belongs to God. And he can tell you what to give and who to give it to anytime he wants to. That's what I'm talking about. So if God has us, he'll have our money also. Because where our treasure is, our heart will be also. So we see here in 2 Corinthians 8, let's look here, 2 Corinthians 8. And we're going to kind of hang out in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. And the context is money. He's talking about giving in these two chapters in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Now, 2 Corinthians 8, let me start here in verse 1. Now, stay with me today. we got a lot of stuff to say. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 1, it says, Now, Paul is speaking to this church at Corinth, and he's talking about this other church that gave. So he says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you that the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the richness of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Now, he's talking about giving. He said, even though these people were in deep poverty, this church lived in poverty. This church lived in the wrong part of town. And he says they were freely willing to give what they were giving. No, it's because it was grace giving. And verse 4, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gifts and the fellowship of those ministered. And verse, uh, let's jump down to verse 6. And it says, and so we urged Titus that as he had begun, so we, w- we would also complete the grace that is in you as well. And verse 7, but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence, and in your love for us, Notice what it says, see that you abound in this grace also. See that you abound in this grace also. The apostle Paul told this church at at Corinth that these other churches, he's trying to stir them up. He said these other churches that are doing 
really bad compared to you guys. You guys are doing good. They're living in poverty. They had such a heart of grace giving. They had such a desire to be a part of what was going on. They gave out of their deep poverty, and they weren't forced to. They wanted to do it. And it says they gave, and it was this thing of grace, not of being forced to do something. And it said that you've excelled in all these areas, and I want you to excel in this grace also. Now, he's talking about money. Talking about money. He's telling this other church that I want you to excel in the grace of giving just like this church over here in Macedonia did. That the same grace of God could come on you to be this kind of giver just like it was to this church in Macedonia. That there could be a grace that comes on your life as a believer in Jesus to be a giver that is well beyond your means. That is way beyond your own ability. It is the grace of God. Now you with me so far. Now... We need to think about grace in a couple different ways because really uh, this word grace is so big, it's hard to just get one definition on it. So think about this this morning. When I say grace giving, it's really twofold. When I say grace giving, I'm talking about first of all, we know that the grace of God is God's unmerited, unearned favor. It is God making us right with him when we don't deserve it and we didn't earn it. That's the grace of God. So that has to do with you want to. When you understand the grace of God and you experience the grace of God, you understand that it's easy to give now because you realize what God has done for you because of his grace. Are you here? And because the grace of God is so good, it's just a natural response to want to give back to the one who gave you everything because it's the grace of God. So the grace of God comes on your life to change your attitude. So now you don't give because you have to. You give because you want to. Are you here this morning? You don't give because somebody forced you to do it. You give because you want to do it. You don't have to get, get somebody up here to give you a bunch of scriptures on why you should give. Please give. Won't you help us? Ha, help me. Help me. Help me. You know you need to help me. If you send me $99.99, you're going to get out of debt next week. No, you're not. You're not. You don't have to give that plea to somebody on TV or in person to give somebody to give. Grace giving does it because they want to do it. You've got to twist somebody's arm to give. When you really know the grace of God, nobody has to tell you to give. Nobody has to beg you to give. Nobody has to plead with you to give your tithes and offerings, please. Speak on it. That's it. Somebody got a better response in here. Speak on it. See, I like, I like you know, D's response over there because he goes, preach it, pastor. That, that's what he said. Okay. So, all right. You helping me this morning. Thank you. Preach on it. Speak on it. Preach it, pastor. Okay. Helping me this morning. So the grace of God says God has been so good to me. It's just a natural response. To give because of his grace. So that's grace giving. So grace changes your attitude in your heart towards giving. You want to give. Not because you have to, but because you want to. The grace of God. But the grace of God also means something else in the New Testament. And it's God's ability. God's ability. 
The grace of God comes on you to help you do what you can't do in your own strength and your own ability. And the grace of God comes on you to help you do what you can't do. Grace giving. So there is a grace to give. Now, a lot of us think there's only a grace to get behind the pulpit and preach. No, there's a grace to do everything. There's a grace to do everything because grace is, notice, God's ability meeting your inability. God's ability. You know, me and dad were talking at lunch yesterday. He said another word you could use for that is the anointing. We know that what the anointing does. The anointing is God's presence and God's power on us to do what we can't do in our own strength. And the grace of God or the anointing of God can come on us to be givers well beyond our means. That we can give supernaturally. We can give creatively. We can do things that we couldn't do in our own ability. The grace of God can come on and do that for us. And not just for preachers. For believers. Which that would be all of you in here. So the grace of God is not just changing your heart and your attitude because you're thankful. That's part of it. But the grace of God is God's ability. It's God's power. Like it says in Philippians... God is creating in you, one of my favorite verses of all time, the desire and the power to do his will. Not just one, both of them. The desire, that means you want to, and the power, that means you have the ability to do it. So God comes and he gives us the grace. And notice we can have a grace to give. We can have a grace to give, just like you can have a grace to to raise your kids, you can have a grace to go to work, you can have a grace to preach the gospel, you can have a grace to give. Now, this morning, I want to talk about three reasons why we should be a giver, and I also want to talk about three attitudes of our hearts as we give. Now, a grace giver says, how much can I give, not how much can I keep? You know, the tithe issue should be long gone in your mind if you're a grace giver. Tithing is a starting place, not an ending place. That's the beginning of it, not the end. And a grace giver says, how much can I give, not how much can I keep? And notice only the grace of God can do that. Because our natural minds say, God, that's a lot of money. I want to keep what belongs to me. But notice when grace changes your heart, you don't say, how much can I keep? You say, how much can I give away? You go from having to do it to wanting to do it. All right, so we're going to get into these. There's three reasons why I think that you should give and three attitudes of your heart when you give. So the power of grace giving. Number one, the number one reason why you should be a giver is God is a giver. Let's look at John 3.16. We're going somewhere today. John 3.16. John 3.16, very famous verse. A lot of us know it in here. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice that, for God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. The number one reason why we should be givers is God is a giver. God is a giver. 
you know, that when you've accepted Jesus into your life, it says that the nature of God came on the inside of you. Your old nature went away, and your new nature came, and that's the nature of God. And what's God's nature? He's a giver. So when this new nature or, the, or this, this new heart comes in, it's a heart of giving. So we should give because God is a giver, and we are the most like God when we're giving. Do you know that? All of us in here, we are the most like God when we're giving. Yeah. Everybody says, well, I want to be like God, and I, and I want to act like God, and I want to be like God. Well, how do you be like God? Well, the most you'll ever be like God is when you're giving. When you're giving. Because God is the ultimate giver. He's the ultimate giver. And it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. When we give, we are the most like God. When we give, we're showing that we have his nature. Notice when we're stingy and we hold things to ourselves, we're not being like God. We're, like, we're being like the enemy. But when we're like God is when we're givers. And notice it says why he gave. God gave because he loves. God gave because he loves. God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. We are most like God when we give, and we give because of love. When you love something, or you love someone, you'll do something. Now, not to take it all the way back to DC Talk, but we could. Love is not a noun, love is a verb. Any DC Talk fans in the house? Couple? Okay. 90s Christian kids representing here and their parents that had to listen to it. So, love does something. God so loved the world, so he did something. He gave. He didn't just shout from heaven, I love you. I love you. You're awesome. No, he said, I love you, but then he gave his son. He did something. In the same way with us, when we love something or someone, we will give. We won't just say it with our words. We'll use our actions along with those words. God so loved the world that he gave. In the same way, you will give to what you love. Love does something. Now, it's funny because we've talked about this uh, Dr. Summerall story in our church before. Maybe you don't know it. But Dr. Summerall, when he was an old man, uh, he hadn't seen some of these preachers in a long time. And he was getting elderly, so, you know, he, he lost a lot of that uh, uh, fluff in his talk. So he was just telling the truth how it was. And, and he was an elderly man traveling the world. And all these young ministers came in and said, hey, Dr. Summerall, we love you so much, man. We missed you. And Dr. Summerall says, when's the last time you sent me an offering? Now, a lot of us could say, well, that's rude. Why would Dr. Summerall say that? Because he's telling the truth. Because love does something. And it's easy to say, I loved you. I missed you. Oh, my gosh. But love does something. And Dr. Summerall, you know, he didn't have any fluff left in him at 80-something years old. And he said, if you loved me, you would have done something. It's the same way with us giving. If we say we love God and we love his house and we love his kingdom and we love his people, we will do something. And love does something, and what it does is it gives. 
It gives. And it gives its money, but it also gives its time. Gives its attention. Gives its affection. Gives its energy to the things that are important to it. Which should be the house of God and God's kingdom. God is a giver, so love does something. Now, speaking about love, love and giving, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Let me say that one more time. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You know, the Apostle Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 13, that you could give all you have to the poor and still not have love, and it means nothing to God. Because he cares about your attitude towards giving, not just that you gave it. But there's a truth in this that you can give without loving, but you can't say you love without giving. You can't say, well, I love church. Do you give anything? No. You don't love it. I love, I love missionaries going to other countries. That's awesome. You ever give to them? No. You don't love them. That's the truth. Well, I, I love this ministry and what they're doing, and I, I appreciate it. I love you know this Christian music. Have you ever given any money to them? No. You don't love it. Because the truth is, if you love it, you'll give. Because love does something. Love, God kind of love, is a giving love. So number one reason why we should give is God is a giver. You still here? Okay. So let's look over at Proverbs 3 in verse 9. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3 in verse 9, and we're going to read in verse 9 and 10. So reasons why we should give. Number one reason is God is a giver. The number two reason why we give is because it honors God. It honors God. We give because it honors God. Proverbs 3, and we're going to read in verse 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Notice what it says, honor the Lord with your possessions or your money and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. But notice in verse 9 it says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your money. The second reason why we should give is because it honors God. When we give, we are saying, God, we honor you. It's interesting in Malachi 3, you could just write this down, but in Malachi 3 when it's talking about giving tithes and giving offerings, God says to his people, if I'm your father, then where is my honor? Where is my honor? He didn't say, where is my money? He said, where is my honor? Why? Because giving in the eyes of God is an honor issue, not a money issue. It's an honor issue. When we give to God, we say, God, we honor you. Because everything we have ultimately belongs to you. 
When we give our tithes and offerings, we say, God, I know I worked all week to make this money, but if you didn't help me, I wouldn't have a job. If you didn't help me, I wouldn't have a brain enough to work. If you didn't help me, I wouldn't have two arms and two legs and two eyes and two ears to be able to function at my job. I realize you're the only reason I have a job. I have strength to make money. And so I give this back to you as honor because I realize without you, I could do nothing. It's an honor issue. When we give to God, it honors God. It's, it's us saying, God, I honor you with giving me everything I have in this life. I honor you with giving me these resources, for giving me this job, for giving me the house I live in, for giving me the car I have, for giving me the family I have. I honor you. It's an honor issue, not a money issue. Are you here this morning? So when we're giving to God, notice in Proverbs 3, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions, your money, your resources. Honor the Lord. It's an honor issue. We never need to lose sight of that, that it's an honor thing to God. It's really an act of thanksgiving to God, saying, God, I thank you, and that's why I'm honoring you with giving back to you. God, I thank you. I'm appreciative, so I honor you. You know, when you're excited to see what God is doing, you get excited to play a part in giving. And notice, giving becomes not a chore, but an honor. So when somebody takes up an extra offering at church, you don't complain about it. You say, I want to get a part of this because I honor God. I'm excited about it. Oh, somebody needs some money in another country to do mission work? Oh, I'm excited about it because I'm honored to play a part because everybody on the planet doesn't get to play a part in what I'm a part of. So I'm honored to do it. If somebody takes an extra offering about a church being planted in another city, in another region, you say, it's not a chore, it's not a duty, it's an honor because everybody doesn't get to be a part of what I'm a part of. And when you realize everything you have is from God anyways, you say, God... I'm going to give it back to you because it's an honor. Are you here this morning? You guys are getting me excited. Stop it. So number one, God is a giver. Number two, we honor God. Number three, we give because it shows our trust in God. It shows our trust in God. Let's look over at Malachi 3. When we give... It shows our trust in God. You realize when we don't give what God tells us to give, we say to God with our actions, God, we don't trust you. I know that's a little bold. It's a little blunt, but that's what our actions say. When God tells us, hey, I would like you to give this much in the offering, and we don't do it, at that moment, we tell God, God, I don't trust you. That's what we say with our actions. When we know from the scriptures that it's it's scriptural and it's right that we give our tithes and offerings to the local church because it's in there from Genesis to Revelation. You can't ignore it. And God says this belongs to me and we don't do it. By our actions, we say, God, I don't trust you. Am I lying? No, I'm not lying. That's the truth. 
Now, we don't want to hear that because it's blunt and it's bold, and, but that's what the reality of it is. Is when we don't give, we tell God, not with our words, because none of us would ever say that out of our mouth, but with our actions, we say, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Because for some strange reason, we feel like that ourselves with 100% can do better with 90% in God's help. How does that work? Isn't that the pride in all of us that says that? God, I can do it better with me and 100% of my money than 90% in you and me. Or 80% in you and me. Or 70% in you and me. No, God, I got this. It shows that we don't really trust him. But notice when we give what he tells us to give, it shows us that we trust God. And we trust him to be our provider. Malachi 3 in verse 10. Malachi 3 and verse 10, very familiar passage about giving. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And notice he says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. But notice at the beginning it says, and try me now in this. Actually, a better translation would say, test me in this. Or prove me in this. God says, test me in this. Now, he, he's not just throwing out remarks like that all over the Bible. God says, pertaining to your giving, he says, test me in this. Kind of like he's about to start something. <laughs> prove it. God says, if, if you give, if you trust me, I'll prove it to you that I was right. Test me in this. Try it out. Honor God with your money. Be a giver. Show that you trust him. And God says, will I not pour out such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it? But notice he says, try me. Test me. Prove me. Talking about giving. He said, I dare you to do it. I dare you to trust me with your money and see what happens. Not like really trust me. Not just try like one week, but really trust me with your money. I dare you. Let God prove it to you. God says, test me now, try me now, and see that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. We know this, it's all over the Bible from beginning to end, that when we give, we receive. When we sow, we reap. We can't outgive God. It's proven in his word from the beginning to the end. It says when we give, God will give back to us. When we open up what we have in our hands, then God will open up what he has in his hands. Isn't that the truth? But notice he won't be able to do that until we let go of what's in our hand first. I know some of you have seen this picture and this, some of you could think it's corny, other you could think it's cool, but um, there's this picture. I know probably you've seen it. It's on Facebook. Christians share it a lot. Um, but, okay, there's this little girl. She's got like a teddy bear, a little teddy bear in her hand. 
And then there's Jesus on the other, uh, looking at her. And behind him, her, his back is this huge teddy bear. But he has it behind his back. And, and the picture's meaning that he's asking for what she has, which is this little tiny teddy bear, because he has something better behind him. But the principle's true. If we don't let go what's in our hand, God won't let go what's in his hand. And we want God to pour out blessings, but God says, well, pour out what's in your hand first, because that shows you trust me. Kind of like in the Old Testament, he said, make me a a meal first before you do what you're doing, because that shows your faith that you trust him. Before he'll pour out his blessings, you got to pour out what you got in your hand first. Before he's got to send the harvest, you got to plant some seed. It's not just going to happen. But when we give, we show God that we, we trust him. We trust him. So notice that we, we give because God is a giver. We give because it honors God. And number three, we give because it shows that we trust God. Now, I want to talk about three reasons or three attitudes of your heart why you're giving. What pleases God. Now, it's 1142. I'm where we're very aware aware of the time and uh we still got a few minutes here so before we get into these attitudes of our heart when we give let me say this in second corinthians 8 and 9 the apostle paul talking against that corinthian church talks about the macedonian church and he talks about how that they gave out of their deep poverty And they gave so generously that there was a grace on them to give. But he also says that we didn't even want to let them give because we realized how much, uh, I mean, how much poverty they, they were in and how much they were struggling. And Paul said, but pretty much this church at Macedonia forced us to be a part of the offering because they wanted to give so much. Now, there's a principle here that we need to all Pay attention to. Because the truth is, our way out of struggle, our way out of poverty, our way out of being in lack and not enough is giving. And I realize it's countercultural to the way we all think. And that's why Paul even said to this church, no, we don't want you to give. Just keep your money. You need it more than we do. But Paul realized something. This church wants to go somewhere, and they realize the only way out of where they're at is to give. And a lot of us think that if I don't have anything, the way I get ahead is keep it. That's the world's way. But God's way is if I want to get out of this, I need to start giving. And the only way I give, get out of it is not to keep it, it's to give it. And so for those of you in here that, you know, sometimes you don't have a lot to bring, bring what you have because God is honoring it and there's a way out and you're using it by showing your faith in giving. Don't look at your dollar or your $2 or your $5 or your couple pennies in the offering like it's insignificant because you're doing something that's going to get you out of that place that you're in right now. And so the way of God is not, Well, you're in poverty, just keep it to yourself. You need it more than us. God says the way out is to give your way out. You want to get out of the financial situations you're in? It's not save more money. 
It's give your way out. And that's what the apostle Paul knew about this church at Macedonia. And that's why he used them as an example. He said, hey, even this church in deep poverty could give. And look what God is doing in their church. How much more you Corinthians can do something. But notice they gave because their heart was full of grace and they were grace givers. So three attitudes of our heart as we close. First of all, when we give, we should be willing. We should be willing. Now let's look back at 2 Corinthians 8. You guys getting something this morning? 2 Corinthians 8. So when we give, it should be willing. That's what God's looking for. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 3. Now we're going to hit a bunch of verses. So 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 3, it says, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Did you hear that? Freely willing. Now let's look down at verse 12. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 12. It says, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. Now stay with me. Chapter 9, verse 2. Once again, it says, For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians. Now let's jump down to verse 6 and 7. He says, But then this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. We could say willing once again, for God loves a cheerful giver. So three attitudes of your heart towards giving when you give. This is what God's looking for. Willing. God wants you to have a willing heart when you give. You know, Isaiah 1 in verse 19, you don't have to turn there. It says, those who are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. But notice, willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. How many of you know that have children... There's a difference between willing and obedient. You guys know the difference? Now, if you think it stinks as a parent, how much more God? You've seen your kid obey you, but there was no willingness in them whatsoever. And God says when when we give to him, we need to be willing, the right heart, and obedient. And when you are, you will eat the good of the land. We should have a willing heart when we give to God. And that's on our side, not on God's side. And God says, I want you to be willing and obedient. So when we give to God, it says that you should have a willing heart. That means you want to do it. You're not forced to do it. Nobody's twisting your arm to do it. Willing and obedient. Willing. Now we know this Throughout the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, we know that the religious people of that day gave tithes on everything. They gave offerings. They were obedient. I will give every bit of the salt and pepper. 
I would tithe on it, and I would take it to church, to the altar. I mean, they were obedient down to their condiments in their refrigerator. Okay, let me do a little ranch, a little ketchup, a little mustard, a little salt, a little pepper. Bring it to the altar, tithed on it. Okay, they were obedient. But what happened when Jesus came on the scene? He said, okay, you guys are obedient, but your attitude and your heart stinks. That was the message translation. He didn't say stinks. He said, you've been given, but God doesn't receive it because your heart's not in it. Because in reality, God cares more about your heart than what you're actually giving. And I want all of us to know that in here, it doesn't matter if you come and you're giving these big offerings, but your heart's not in it. God doesn't care. Because that's what the religious people of Jesus' day in the Old Testament were doing. They were giving, giving, giving. They were obedient, strict. I will give. I will give offerings. I will give tithes down to the letter of the law. But their hearts weren't willing. And God said, I don't receive it. It's the same for us today. We could be giving and giving, but if our heart's not in it and we're not willing, God says, I don't receive it because I want your heart to be in it. You getting something so far? I know I'm saying a lot today, but I'm trying to get this in. So willing. Number two, when we give, it should be cheerful. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So number one, willing, but number two, cheerful. These are the attitudes of our heart when we give. So when we give, it says God loves a cheerful giver. Now, there's not a lot of things in the Bible that says what God loves, but cheerful giver is on the list. There's not a lot of things in the Bible that God specifically says, I love this. God loves a cheerful giver. How many of you in here love a cheerful giver? Or do you love somebody who hands you a gift like, here you go. It was on sale. I had to get it because mom told me to. <laughs> Happy birthday. Have fun. You say, I'll take it. But uh, your attitude, I don't like it. So what do you say? Number one, willing, but number two, cheerful. He wants when we give for us to have some cheerfulness in our heart. Some joy in our heart when we give. God loves a cheerful giver. A giver that when it's offering time, they're not mad and they're not sad. They're glad. Because God loves a cheerful giver. That when we get to the offering time, we're excited. We're happy. We're not, give me an offering envelope. Brother Les, <laughs> take that. All right. Here you go. Take it. If I have to, no, God, keep your money if your attitude's that way, please. You're not helping God or anybody else. It says God loves a cheerful giver. In the Amplified, it says he loves a hilarious giver. Hilarious. The only way I can describe this is I'm thinking of like, you're just so in love with God and in love with what he's doing. You're just like, I'm giving all my money in the offering. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know how we're going to live next week. This is hilarious. 
oh my gosh, if somebody looked at this, they would think I'm crazy. Look at that. That's all my money. I don't know what we're going to do. This is funny. We need more people like that. God loves a cheerful, hilarious, excited, I get to, I want to, I'm honoring you, I'm excited to be a part, a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So when we give, notice number one needs to be willing. That means that nobody forced you to give it. It's in your heart. But number two, cheerful. You need to be excited about it. The offering time shouldn't be the most somber, depressing time of the, of the service. It's like it's offering time, guys. Just a holy hush comes on the congregation. Everybody acting like it's a funeral in here. Offering time. There goes my offering. Forever gone. I'll miss it. But notice when you have the right heart, you realize, hey, this is an honor. I'm excited. I'm cheerful. I'm joyful. I'm happy. And realize every time you give to God, you don't lose it. Do you know that? No, I'm about to preach. You don't lose it. You'll see it again one day. You will. Do you know that? Everything you give to God, it's not gone forever. You'll see it again one day, but it'll be bigger when it comes back. Kind of like when you plant the seed as a farmer. You know, a farmer doesn't say, all right, little seed, I'll miss you, buddy. I'm never going to see you again. He knows when he plants the seed, he's going to see it again one day and it's going to be bigger. And he's going to be glad he planted it. He doesn't say, I'll miss you, seed. You were my best friend. No, he realizes when I plant the seed, I'm going to see it one day again. But it's going to come back and give me a harvest. All right. Last but not least, I know I've said a lot today. I appreciate every single one of you being here this morning. So number one, willing. Number two, cheerful. Number three, God cares about your attitude, and it needs to be sacrificial. Sacrificial. When we give to God, it should be a sacrifice. Kind of like in the Old Testament when they brought sacrifices to God. The only sacrifices that meant something were ones that were personal to them. God would tell them time after time in the Old Testament when they were literally bringing a sacrifice of an animal. He would say, don't bring me your old goat that has three, three legs. And disease, bring me your best. Or he could say, bring me something that means something to you. It's the same way with God. When we give, it should be sacrificial. It should mean something to us. If it doesn't mean anything to you when you give it, it doesn't mean anything to God. In the Old Testament, David said to God when he was about to give this huge offering, he said, God, I won't sacrifice something that doesn't cost me anything. I'm not just going to sacrifice something just to do it. I'm not just going to give just to give. He said, I won't give you something that doesn't cost me. It was sacrificial. 
it meant something to God. And I'm going to be real bold and tell you that if you start giving like this and your, your heart belongs to God and you're a grace giver, God will challenge every person in here and there will be times that it will be sacrificial. God will challenge everyone in you in here and say, hey, you remember that one thing over there that you don't want to get rid of? Give it up. Why? Because it costs you something. So it means something to God. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't mean anything to God. Our giving needs to be sacrificial. There will be times in our life that God will challenge us and say, give that. You say, that? I like that. He's trying to prove your heart. He's trying to test your heart and saying, will they give something that costs them? Give that amount. Oh my gosh, that amount? Yeah. Sacrificial. Kind of like he'll, he'll point his hand at the sheep over in the corner. Your prize sheep that's been winning all those blue ribbons. And you keep bringing up goats that have no eyes. And they'll walk around in circles in the barn all day. He say, bring Fluffy to the altar. But Fluffy is so cute. And it wins all the blue ribbons. I don't want to. But God said, bring me something that costs me cost you because it will mean something to me when we give it should be sacrificial you know I was thinking about this story and, and a lot of you know this in the New Testament the story of uh, the widow's mites story about Jesus was watching people giving this offering and he said that all these people that had money were coming in and throwing all this big money down but knows their attitude wasn't right. Their heart wasn't right. They weren't cheerful. They weren't willing. And they had a lot, so they were given a lot. So it really wasn't a sacrifice for them. They were given a lot of money. And then God said this one lady brought two pennies. And that was all she had. And she gave it in the offering. And he said that this woman who gave two pennies gave more than everybody else put together. Why? Because what she gave cost her something. What she gave was sacrificial. A lot of the people that were given in the offering, they had a lot, so they gave a lot. And God said, all right, why don't you give something that's going to cost you, that's going to sacrifice. And he said, out of all the people that gave that day, Jesus was watching people giving the offering. He said, the offering that he respected was the lady who gave two pennies. Now, how could two pennies be more than what they gave? Because she gave it with the right heart and the right attitude. She gave something that cost her. She gave something that meant something to her. And God said, that's who I honor. You know, as we close today, uh, just personally, you know, I've given most of my life, some forced. You can laugh. I'm looking at somebody. She's not looking at me. But but I've been a giver most of my life. Um, that's just what we do. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and I'm not bragging on myself. That's just what I've grown up in. And I don't know anything different from that. Like I said, you know, I was going through 
through high school, through middle school, and you know, there'll be times where mom would kindly remind me, there will be no God robbers in this house. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Jordan, if you're not serving the Lord and giving your tithes and offerings, you will sleep outside. Because there will be no God robbers in my house. House. So, there was times in my life that, you know, I gave because I had to. Because I decided I would like to sleep in my bed rather than outside. But those principles have been in my life since I was born. And I've walked in that my whole entire life. And just personally, I have never struggled for anything. Okay, I'm excited about it. Amen. Good for you. Great, Pastor. Glad you're blessed. Yeah, thanks, guys. I was trying to encourage you. Didn't go over too good. I'm not done with the story. But I know the only reason it's like that is because my whole life has been about giving. And like I said, when I was younger, sometimes I didn't know why I was giving or if I even wanted to give. But because I started those principles when I was young, I have never lacked. I've never lacked for a car. I've never lacked for a house. I've never lacked for clothes. I've never lacked for food. And that's not because I'm awesome and I obey God all the time. I don't. It's because my whole life I've been a giver and God's word is true and God's word is real. And when you honor God with your money, even when you're young, he could promote you and give you things that some people that are in their 50s and 60s don't even have. And that's not because I'm awesome or I've always obeyed God because I don't. I'm saying it's because I've been a giver my whole life. And it's the same true for you guys. If you start giving, if you start living a lifestyle giving, being a grace giver, God will provide for you supernaturally. I know the only reason why, why I am where I am today is, of course, one, because of my parents, but also because of giving. I've always been a giver. From when I was young, it was just normal to give in our house. I realize some of you, it's not normal to give. But that's just what what we do. I've seen them give their whole entire life, so I've given. And I've seen the fruit of it in my life. In every area. You know, I was thinking about this. Me and Chad were actually talking about this the other day. Uh, Miss Mary's not down here, but we were talking about the time. My first guitar I ever got at Toys R Us. It was awesome. But it was a real guitar. But it had like a, a switch that you had a little amp built into the guitar. How cool was that? But it was a real guitar. And so um, it, it was a black guitar, had a little amp. You could really play it. I didn't know how to play it that well. First guitar I ever bought or got. I was going to uh, the projects at that time with Miss Mary and Brother Les and the Garings and Pastor Dennis and a lot of them. I don't even remember how old I was. I was pretty young, but we were going there and doing outreach all the time. And so I love going down there. And, and I took my guitar and tried to play. It's probably pretty hilarious. 
It's like, God loves you. <laughs> it, it, was, it was rough, but little kids loved it. So um, I was playing guitar and trying my best. First guitar I ever had. And I remember one of the, the big early giving moments of my life. I, I decided, God was like, you need to give your guitar to this kid right here. Now, I was a kid also. So I gave my guitar to that, uh, to that kid. Of course, Miss Mary, she was freaking out. She was like, could you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I guess I can. It's mine. She said, Let's call your mom. Can he give that away? Sure. I guess he can give it away. It's his. If God told him to do that. So I gave that guitar away. First guitar. I tell you, from my own personal life. Now, some of you don't even know I play guitar. You're like, guitar? What? You don't play guitar, Pastor. <laughs> do I play guitar? My whole entire life. But ever since that moment, one time I, I was giving what God told me to give. I had never struggled with guitar equipment since that day, ever. I've had amps and pedals and expensive guitars given to me, supernaturally expensive guitars handed to me, so many guitars and amps pedals, everything to do with music. And I know it's from that one moment when I was little and I gave one guitar away that was my first guitar, $100 guitar. And I gave it away because God said to do it. And I've never lacked in guitar since then. Anybody excited about it or just good for you? Once again, thanks for the encouraging. Because God's word is true, and he will provide for you, and he will take care of you. And not just with finances, but notice if he tells you to give something else, like a guitar or, or other things. Notice what God did. And I was really young, and I've never struggled with guitars or guitar equipment my whole entire life. I mean, I've had people give me guitars, amps, everything, so many times. Of course, now I only have one guitar left to my name. But... At a time in my life, I was overflowing with abundance with all that guitar gear. And I know it wasn't for any other fact than I was a giver, and I did what God said in that moment. Did you guys get some today? Well, let's pray. I kept you long today. Hopefully you got something today.